Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. It's Friday. It's a good Friday, too, right? I'm just thinking to myself, the temperature this morning was in the low 70s. The humidity felt a little bit easier on the body when you went outside. I mean, listen, this is our fall. We shouldn't be too crazy into thinking that we're going to get a, a definitive fall but it's our fall. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Down and Dirty this morning. My name is Mario Nunez. I'm seated alongside my broadcast partner who should be right there, but today he's M-I-A, and that doesn't stand for Miami. John Dinkfelder, we miss you in studio. However, I am assisted ably, ably by our board op and our engineer and a guy who always comes prepared to give you the good stuff, Jason Marlowe. Jason, Good morning. Good Thank morning, you, Mario. What, Good. A, what, a, what, a, what a hot take starting off starting off at a, at a more mild temperature than it is outside. I love it. I love it. And you know what? We should all be uh, grateful uh, because that is the first hint that maybe uh, planet Earth is starting to shift. You know, the northern hemisphere is kind of listing now, kind of away from the sun, as it were. And the southern hemisphere is starting to warm up. These things happen every year. It's a phenomenon. It's called autumn. a baby. Let's do that. I'd like, I'd, let's do, please, let's do autumn. Like, it is. Let's have a fall. That would be nice. You know, we don't usually have it like they do up north. And, uh, and you can tell because when you're watching the ball games on TV now, whether it's the football games in early fall or you're watching the baseball games as, as the uh, professional season and winds down, people in the, in the stands are starting to wear jackets now, man. You know, the yes. turtlenecks, jackets, and you can imagine they're drinking coffee and hot cocoa. And uh, we're wondering why. Why? <laughs> yeah, not a, we're wondering why, because when you go to the trop, man, it's you can't tell unless it's raining outside and you hear it on the roof. It's uh, it's 72 degrees always inside the trop. But hey, listen, let's go ahead and, and tell everybody who will be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, we are terribly excited that he's standing by and we're going to bring him in in just a minute. To join the conversation, Orestes Destrade, for those of you that are not familiar with that name, you should be. He had a, a pretty magical professional baseball career, both here in the States and abroad in Japan. And, and he, uh, he also, for the last decade or so, a little bit more, has been uh, on the sidelines, uh, in the dugout, everywhere you could imagine, pregame, postgame, with our own Tampa Bay Rays. So Orestes will be joining us in a minute, but before we do that, as we do each and every week, we talk about things that over the last uh, few days, the week, uh, have stuck in our craw, as it were, things that are just keeping us up at night because we can't, we can't stand it any longer. All right, Jace, we you're up, a, baby. We have a broken county commission. I mean, a true, uh, if, if anybody did, in fact, watch last night, we had a uh, budget workshop, and the county commission cut, cut. $7 million from affordable housing last night. You know, in the middle of what anybody would conceive as an affordable housing crisis where the city of Tampa just had the courage to find a way to basically redouble their commitment to helping, uh, the county commission just ignored 200 maybe pleading people coming in in every you and every faith you can, you know, denomination you can imagine, all advocating and pleading for affordable housing. And the county commission, by a four to three margin, cut it with uh, one commissioner, uh, Cameron Cepeda, who, I mean, at this point, I think she might be more mime than political official. Here, here. Didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. You're going to vote to cut housing after listening to impassioned speeches by, you know, Dozens and dozens and dozens of people advocating for you to keep money for housing. Not a word. So it's like, why are you even there? I got to ask. Like, the same commissioner that uh, a week, just a week prior. Just tried to cut the arts funding. Arts yeah. funding. So She's real special. 
What is what is the point of that? If you're not going to be a public servant and you're not going to respond to the people, what what is, what is your job officially? Is it just to be a mouthpiece for an agenda? So, you know, some are you are you the marionette who the puppet and who's the marionette in the this case? Three million dollars arts funding. Like we need three miles of sidewalk more than we need all of the arts in Hillsborough County. Gasparilla Music Festival, Gasparilla Arts Festival, the Tampa Theater, New Tampa Players. These are like really important entities that put a lot of love and culture in our community. So if you're yeah. going to be a big league town, we discuss it all the time. Yes, you've absolutely. Have, you got to have the arts, lest lest you just want to be uh, another you know podunk city that, that that can't get out of its own way. And in this case, funding is the only way those things flourish. All right, back to me. Go for it. I'm going to tell you that I'm still a little, uh, you know, PO'd, a little upset, a little can't sleep too good at night. Restlessly, I'm sleeping because I, I just don't I don't want to believe that the Rays Stadium is going to is going to be in St. Pete. You know, we've been through this uh, for the last 25 years and we still have a 26, seven years. We still have three more years to go before we get to 2027. Uh, and the lease officially expires. I'm not going to believe that it's going to be there until they turn that first spade of dirt, until they actually the bulldozers get fired up because we've done it over there already. We've been doing it for the last three decades. Can we can we give Tampa a try? And, you know, once you put it in place, it's going to be there for a hot minute. Well, okay, all right. But there's a great number of us that really just shy away from that bridge and as we're getting, and you know, again, here's, here's a wise guy told me this one time, not a wise guy, but a wise man. <laughs> you know, all right. Cause we know, plenty of, we know plenty of wise guys, but he told me, he says, you know, baseball is kind of a blue collar sport, right? You know, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. So it's beer, it's hot dog, it's blue collar. It's the guys that take their kids to the game. The guys that, that shower after work, not before work. And, and, you know, St. Pete now is kind of the, the vibe in St. Pete is, is younger. It's upwardly mobile. It's it's uh, financially and economically very uh, stable, if not uh, privileged, and and that doesn't go with baseball per se. Plus, you've got a lot of options in St. Pete, man. You've I, got a lot of options. I'll say for whatever it's worth for a hot take. I, for the life of me, don't understand the hatred for the trop. Maybe I'm alone in this, but I actually think it's a great place to watch a game. And like once they put like the lights in the ceiling and they improve the food options, I, this is now a I quality like place to watch a game. I, and, I, and for the life of me, don't understand the hatred for it. Maybe it's the the giant surface parking lot that kind of feels like you know like a giant waste of space, but. No, I mean, but I I'll, think it's a quality place to watch a game, and I, for the life of me, don't get it. I, and, I, and I appreciate this. This is why we're doing Down and Dirty this morning. I appreciate your commentary, and I'm going to just offer as balance, just a little bit of balance, two things. Number one, the surface is, is kind of bad, man. It's just it's, it's among the worst surfaces in the league. Even though AstroTurf has, has you know, evolved, we're seventh generation now from the beginning days when it was like, yeah. Like throwing a piece of cart uh, carpeting over, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, and and you know, trying to play football or baseball on that. So, and then the spongy surface that was in, in Minneapolis for a while. And but but I think you know, uh, Carl Crawford, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, these guys were just one diving extended play away from ruining their career because that ground is very unforgiving. That's one. The roof is our is our, is an advantage to the home team because you know obviously we don't lose as many fly balls in the roof. Uh, the cabling and all of the C rings, O ring, D ring, G ring, X Y Z ring—that's just a nuisance. That's, yeah, they, they really should have found a way to make it retractable. That's I think just that's the horrible. major flaw of the trap. I think, though, I think, and if I'm wrong, if there's some engineers out there that are listening and want to 
and, and want to contradict what I'm about to say, please call in and let us know. We'll give you the number in just a moment. I think, I think the building is not healthy. I think that over the years, the air conditioning system and the mold that's in that building, you know, if I go to that building and I'm there, you know, for three, four hours, I get home and I'm, I'm sneezing, I'm coughing, the really? throat's a little irritated. It just, you know, think of it, the humidity, the rain, it just, it, and it's, you know, unless they've got a new HVAC system every five years, how do you change the filters on I've those things? I've never considered that. That's well said. Okay. So that's, that's, that's my number one. How about your number two? You got a number two today for us? Um, can I just be, you know, I, I just want to stay mad at the county commission. I mean, do like, it. I really like, a, you know, we're talking for the sake of, of just saying again, as the city of Tampa talked about two weeks ago, it's a million dollars a mile for sidewalk, a million dollars a mile. These folks came Seems after $3 million for the arts and $7 million for housing. Is anyone here going to tell me with a straight face it's better that we put $10 million into sidewalk improvements than it is we build housing that we own that becomes taxable assets and value to our community. It helps house people who might potentially be unhoused. I mean, the arts is an enormous economic engine. I believe the uh, the Arts Council suggested that that $3 million results in $20 million in revenue. On that? There you yeah, go. 21, uh, seven times. I don't know anything that you get seven times your investment on. And it's just the audacity uh, and short-mindedness of thinking we're going to nitpick a $9 billion county budget. I want to mention this, a $9 billion county budget for $10 million that actually makes a difference in the lives of people. That's what we're going to nitpick because I guess that's what uh, you know uh, drives the Republicans on our county commission is finding ways to nitpick $10 million important dollars out of a $9 billion budget. I think the day here, here, I think the day of, rec <clears throat> excuse me, I think the day of reckoning is coming because you can't continue to just wag your finger in people's faces. Uh, we could ask Rafael Palmero about that if we could get a hold of him on the phone because it just doesn't work out well. After a while, it just doesn't work out well. So that that wave is coming. And I'll, I'll end it with this. You know, I had the occasion this um, past weekend to attend a function at Mosey, which if you haven't been to Mosey oh, in a Cuban, while, I didn't get to I, go. I got to, the science, that? science of the Cuban sandwich. And so they're mixing science, of course, and, and one of our favorite uh, Tampeño Foods, which is the Cuban sandwich, and it was great. It was great. I mean, they had seven, eight different vendors there doing their best, doing their best to impress the guests. And of course, there was a People's Choice winner. There was also a juried winner, and uh, and the sandwiches were fantastic. And the experience there at Mosey was very, very good. And the reason I bring this up is because again, we have this push pull with Miami and Tampa between Miami and Tampa. And I and I would I would hasten to guess that. You know, Miami probably thinks their Cuban sandwich is better than ours and salami doesn't belong on the sandwich and everything. It's, you know, it's our sandwich. It's a Cosa Nostra thing. This is our sandwich and we're going to claim it. And I, I think for, for all intents and purposes, if we, if we would have just found a way to nickname the sandwich El Tampeño, it might have worked. And, of course, I asked everybody there, Jace, I asked everybody, hey, where does the bread come from that you're making these sandwiches from? And, of course, everyone said to a man and woman because there were lady chefs there as well. La Segunda Central Bakery, which that's where the bread comes from because... Hey, and Alessi celebrating their anniversary this weekend. 111. Let's one, give them a shout Yes, out. 111 years. Thank you for reminding me, Alessi Bakery. So this weekend, there's going to be all kinds of special prices and special pricing. So if you're interested in getting a pastelito Bro, de guayaba for 69 cents... In the dark, like... 69 cents, but you better get there early because I'm telling you right now, <laughs> the line is going to be down Cyprus. The line is going to be down Cyprus. Hey, in just a couple of minutes, you'll get a chance to, um, to address your questions or your 
your comments to our guest today. Again, Orestes Destrade, who's standing by patiently while we ramble on a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're But we, you know, it's Friday. We got to ramble. Yeah. So call us if you'd like to join us in the conversation. 813-239-9663. You can send us an email. DJ at WMNF.org, or you can text us 813-433-0885. We got a little bit of traveling music. Coach, we're ready to play. And if he's ready to play, we'd like to welcome this morning to our show, Orestes Destrade. Orestes, are you with me, my brother? I'm with you, brother. And I've already enjoyed that first segment, uh, very informational about what's going on in, uh, in Tampa. And uh, I know your partner in crime there is not very happy with the Hillsborough County, I'll tell you right now. But... Um, he wakes up that way. That young man wakes up that way, and we love him for it because you know what? But he you burns. Know what? That's informational, and sometimes, um, a, a, you know, a city, a, a county, an area kind of needs to know, you know, the goings on. Not kind of. They definitely need to know what's going on and, and, and where the millions and millions and millions of dollars are, are going and being allocated to. So there's no doubt that there's a. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, as you said almost earlier, the push and pull of certain things uh, kind of pertain. So, well put. And, you know, and you guys, we have to be for our, our gripes a little time every now and then, right? That's the best way to put it. We have to air our grievances and uh, and get the attention of those who are in positions of decision making. Yeah. You know, we put we elect these folks to to do our bidding. But uh, when they turn, when they turn coat and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, they don't listen to the people that are standing there in that long, long line. Here, and when here. Jason was saying that they come with their impassioned pleas, they're not kidding. I mean, these people, some of them are in, in dire straits and they need a yeah. little help. They need a break. About yeah. Well, Orestes, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Listen, I, I'm going to I'm going to attempt something here. Big O, and I want you to hang with me a minute because I think you're going to get a kick out of this. I'm listening. Yep, yep. But I've been practicing. So, okay. and this will all make sense in just a few minutes when we start <laughs> to discuss your bio. Ready? Kyo wa koko nikichi kureche arigato. Anata ga watashi tachi tachi to ishi ni iti kurete totemo ureshi desu. I don't know what I just said, but I think I said... Thank you for coming on here today. We're so glad you're here with us. That was very nice. Uh, it, it sure sounded like an anime I've seen once. Right, right. It sounded like an AI. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little, yeah, a little disjointed, it, but it but I was. was a little, I was a little concerned that you were going to be taking over the world. <laughs> That's but concerned with. Orestes, well, you know, for those that are, are Tampa Bay Rays fans and have been watching the production for the last few years, certainly we're connected with you uh, and we miss you this year as you're not on the broadcast, certainly. Um, but, but we want to talk a little bit about reintroducing you and your history. Give us a little bit of your bio. Uh, tell, tell everybody yeah. why they might know more about you. I mean, um, it's, it's been a 
a wonderful ride that's continuing, obviously, because uh, we're all, you know, this great life that, that we're given. Um, and, and mine started in Santiago de Cuba uh, back in 1962 uh, during the tumultuous times of, of uh, Castro just having recently taken over um, uh, the, the Cuban Revolution that was obviously, you know, he took over at uh, the end of 58. Uh, in fact, January 1st, 59 was his first official, you know, takeover from Batista. So for me and my family and, and um, Mayito, as I call him, Mario, you know, is also very, you know, connected to all of this as we're a similar age. Uh, it was a very difficult time. So uh, I was born in 62. My grandfather, well, I considered my grandfather, was actually my great uncle was the older brother of my grandfather, Alberto, who passed away when my dad was in his teens. So I never got to meet him. My older brother, there's two of us in my, in my family, uh, was named Alberto after my grandfather who had passed away. I was named Orestes after the brother, the, the great uncle, who basically took in that the, the, the kids uh, from from that grandfather that passed away and, and helped raise them, right? And... Um, uh, he was an incredible man, and he was in the Bay of Pigs invasion. Uh, my great uncle was, and survived it because as, as those that follow and you, it'd be great history if you don't know it. Uh, the story of the, the Bay of Pigs invasion, which was these were several thousand uh, Cuban Cubans that were in the United States that were uh, basically, you know, um, CIA trained in Nicaragua to land on the shores of Cuba to retake Cuba. Didn't work out. Uh, there wasn't a backing from the, the, the planes and the Navy that was sitting just miles of uh, 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 Nobody ever really figured out why. And to this day, which is really weird, you think about it with all the scrutiny of media and things that, you know, to find out what was the history, why they never backed the, the, the landing there. But long story short, half of them or so were left uh, captured and were being executed. So my dad, at the time I was being born, he was still imprisoned in the Cuban jail from the Bay of Pigs invasion in 61, um, named me after him and in his honor. Fortunately, Kennedy made some exchanges uh, and was able to extract those prisoners. So it was one of the, you know, for, for goods and monies and, and medicine and stuff like that, they, 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 you know, they exiled these prisoners. And that started the life of my great uncle, in New York City and Miami, we I, we subsequently, subsequently you know snuck out in '68 and started my American life. Uh, you know, I always you, you started with the Japanese, and I always say that I was American. I was Cuban born, very Cuban, Cuban born, American raised, very proud of that, and also Japanese influence for the many years that that I've been in and out of Japan. So um, my story started in Miami. Started playing baseball at a little at eight years old, seven eight years old. Also basketball, which is also a first love of mine too. They were neck and neck between baseball and basketball. I was I'm definitely the tallest Cuban in my family at a little over six four. Did you get that height early? Oh, did I it come got, to I you got early? Got early, man. I was by fifteen. I was six four, and I ah. really didn't grow much more. And did uh, you and need I to? I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, a guy who's five six and a half. <laughs> get this. I was I was so at the basketball. That I, I wanted to be the first NBA player in, in from Cuba, in, in, in the first Cuban NBA player. Little did I know that I was going to be the first something many years later 
from Cuba. And that was really to be the first Cuban-born player to play for the Florida Marlins in 1993 after having um, a career in the minor leagues. You know, got drafted by the Yankees. Actually got drafted by the Angels first. Then uh, got picked up by the Yankees and spent several years in the minor leagues, got up to the major leagues uh, with the Yankees, which was a dream of mine. Get to at least cut my teeth with a few hits with the Yanks. And then got traded to Pittsburgh. Lockered in between Bobby Bonilla, Bobby Bo, and uh, and the great, the greatest player I've ever seen, with my own eyes, um, on a baseball field by the name of Barry Bonds on the other side of me. So I, I got the experience of, of playing with those quite the locker mates, huh? Quite, quite the yeah. locker mates. Yeah, they were they were both different personalities. Bobby Bo was more kind of like me, and as, as this you know this Puerto Rican that. Was as we say in Spanish, jugoso, you know. Yeah, gregarious, a lot of fun. Gregarious, and then and then BB, who to this day still is a very dear friend, um, uh, is was different. He's, he's he could be stoic, he could be affable, it could be fun, but he could also be hard, terse, you know. But but uh, he is who he is, and and um, I, you know I, I respect Barry in his own ways. Um, and don't don't condone certain things, obviously. But, but uh, he was no doubt. I didn't get a chance to see, nor did you know, us here in this uh, in this radio show. You know, to see live Willie Mays in his heyday. You know, Ted Williams, even truly, truly Hank Aaron in his heyday. Absolutely. I got to see Barry, I got to see Barry Bonds, so uh, I could tell you that that was the greatest player. And this is in an era where I was playing against Dave Winfield, Ricky Henderson, and with Dave Winfield. Ricky Henderson. Well, we're gonna. I was gonna talk about that '87 Yankees team because I, yeah. yeah, that's that team has got a laundry list What's of that? players people might remember. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you you had you had Mattingly. That's one of the reasons that I was stuck in AAA. Tell that story. Oh, that's a that's a great story. Tell, tell everybody why you you ultimately well, had to tack away from your beloved Yankees because yeah. you know people don't realize how difficult it is. First of all, being signed is is reason to celebrate in your entire family. And then of course the ascension. Sometimes it's a it's a slog for some guys. Some guys are gifted and they get breaks and they move up rather quickly through the ranks, whether through necessity. Uh, or, or they just their their talent pushes them upward, but then then there are the guys that get stuck at AAA and they just can't break in because of circumstances just above them. You might have been one of those cats. Yeah, it was it was you know I was happy everywhere that that I stopped off. We we won a championship in every run that I was with the Yankees uh, in rookie league to you know Paintsville, Kentucky, and in, in Fort Lauderdale. Double uh, A in, in uh, Albany, New York. Triple A in Columbus. Won championships in every level. I was an All Star in every level. Something really kind of neat. But the Yankees were definitely stacking great players back then. In fact, for a period of time, their first baseman's list. And I knew I was in trouble when I got invited to big league camp, like at around 20 years old. And here was the first baseman's list. It was. And I'm well. We already mentioned the aforementioned the littlest guy, Don Mattingly, <laughs> the best of them all, right? Don Mattingly was an outfielder, first baseman. You had Steve Balboni, you had Willie Upshaw, you had Freddie McGriff, Hall of Famer, beloved son of Tampa. You had myself. You had another guy by the name of Marshall Brand, Bryant, who never even really kind of made much of a, a a name in the major leagues, but was just a stud in the minors. So you had six or seven, six four. 220, 230, 
Bob Boney was about 250. Um, and then you had this little dude, but it was automatically. So it was not easy, but I crept up and little by little, they traded away uh, Bob Boney. They traded away Willie Upshaw. They traded away Freddie McGriff. They traded away uh, um, Marshall Bryant. They kept uh, Mattingly and they kept me. At one point, they were going to they were going to trade me to Cleveland for John Farrell, and the Yankees they just had a thing for me, which is really kind of cool, but also cruel, like cool and cruel too. Cruel, right? It's, it's cruel to be kind because here I am, you know, winning players of the years in AAA, winning at every level, being an All Star at every level, and Manley was always you know a step or two ahead of me, rightfully so, because he was a way much better hitter than I was. And and um, and then I also started playing the outfield, so I started playing left field. And uh, oh, they had a guy in left field uh, by the name of Dave Winfield. I think he was pretty good. Yeah. So I finally got. So here I am in AAA, and my first year in AAA, I was there for two years. And about two thirds of the way, I'm crushing the league. In fact, that year Cecil Fielder was in that that in that uh, AAA uh, season and with the Tigers. Big Cecil. Big Cecil Fielder and Freddie McGriff was in AAA in the same league with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I was the big star first baseman with the, the, the Columbus, Columbus Clippers. Clippers. And I was leading the whole league in RBIs, home runs, doubles. And I go to slide against the Tidewater Mets. And there's always Tampa ties, man. You know, people say there's always Miami ties. There's always Tampa ties. <laughs> Dave Magadan was at third base for the Tidewater Mets. And I went to slide. He, he'll, he'll tell you if you, if you run into him, the pop that he heard, that was heard because I, my spike caught and I snapped my ankle and just it went pretty much behind my body. And oh, no, 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 no. Robin Ventura style? Oh. So I tore all my ligaments to the inside of my ankle, uh, snapped my fibula, dislocated my ankle. It was a gruesome, ugly injury that, um, put it this way, when they when they carted me off and they took me to the hospital, the emergency room in Tidewater, the, this old man was the, the emergency doctor at, 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 the, at the emergency room looked at it and said, well, kid, this is the exact word. He goes, um, this is not good, and I think you'll be able to at least jog again, you know, in your life. I started bawling. I just started crying, you know. See, that, that's a, here I am in a uniform, a AAA uniform for the New York Yankees, and they're having to cut my, you know, my pants off and everything, and he's saying, yeah, well, I think, you know, when you have the surgery – You'll be able to at least walk and jog. Oh my good! Oh, oh, I you know we know each other a little bit, yeah, and yeah. and for a little bit of time, I that story is new, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm working on getting Dave to come on the Tampa Native Show with me, and I think I'm going to ask Dave that story. Yeah, oh no, from his slide at the second base. You don't forget those. You don't forget those inc incidences oh in your life. It was I mean, so crazy that I actually tried to stand up. I knew it was so bad. And I even feel for Nick Chubb, who, you know, just... Oh, we man, talked we about just him. talking about We were just us. talking about him before yeah. we went on the air. Yeah. Anytime I see anything like that, the late, years later, uh, the Seisman, you know... Uh, we talked Harry, about that as well. Was, was shortly after <laughs> This was 1980. It was 1986. LT. Uh, 
and, and LT smoked tires. I want to say it was '87 or '88. Um, there's been, you know, a handful of other ones where I see them and I have to turn because it, it, I get like, I, I get the memories, man, come back. So I, I thankful, and I was, put it this way, I ended up winning player of the year, even though I didn't play the last six weeks. And, and, uh, well, about the last month of the season, I was about to be called up. The Yankees in 86 were, were not doing that great. And they were going to call me up just to DH me because you still had Mattingly, you still had Whitfield. They were using like Mike Eastler um, and a couple other guys to, you know, Jim Spence to DH. And, and it just wasn't working. So they go, man, we'll just, this was pre teams deciding to carry just a DH, right? And to use the DH. Right, as, exclusively. As a, as, a, as a particular player. Correct. So that's one of the reasons that it almost held me back. It was like, and now you can groom a kid just to be a DH. So you fast forward, they flew me the very, well, two days later. I, I went back with the team to, to Columbus. It was the last game of the series. And the day after, they said, we're flying to New York. We're having Dr. John Bonamo, who was the team, the team orthopedic surgeon. He was a mastermind from New York uh, NYU University Medical Center. And he saw me go, man, you did a good job, but I'm going to fix you. You do what I say, I'll get you back on this field. And I did, man. He, 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 he put everything back in place. I still have three screws in my ankle. And he said, I want you to walk on a beach every day for the, like the next six months. And within then, uh, I'll have you running. And I'll have you. I was back in, by spring training the next year. Which is a testament to youth, I think, more than just about anything else. Hey, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Down and Dirty with Mario Nunez today. My co-host sitting across from me is Jason Marlowe. And our very, very special guest, Orestes Destrade, is telling us a little bit about <clears throat> his baseball past. And, you know, this this part of it was kind of dark and stor and cloudy and stormy and filled with, with doubt and, and, and not sure of what was going to happen in the future. But once... You got your footing, pun intended, back firmly underneath yeah. you, and and you and you saw that, you know, maybe the 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 situation in New York had become untenable. You weren't going to go there. Let's talk mm -hmm. about the happier times. Oh, that you found uh, across the Pacific Ocean, yeah. uh, and when you went across yeah. to play in Japan, because those were arguably those of us that know you, love you, study your 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 stats. Man, you really you blossomed in Japan. Yeah, I mean, real quickly before that, a happy time was getting back. I went back to AAA in '87 uh, because I was, you know, coming off of quote unquote this massive injury, and and then killing it again, and then getting called up with the Yankees and and Lou Pinella again. Just always Tampa. <laughs> well, and you haven't even mentioned the fact that you played here at Florida College. So you know, yeah. you went to university right, right, here. Already right. Go back to my first steps in Tampa, Temple Terrace, Florida College, Temple Terrace. So I fell in love with Tampa before I even turned pro. Um, so, but Lou Pinella got to be my first manager. I got to get my first hit, and uh, and and what a dear person that Lou is. I, you know, he was, he was like 45, 46. He was a young, just recently retired manager, and um, you know, Lou was like, oh, man, "I'm very happy for you, big guy." You know. <laughs> So I, I tell you, that was a happy time because my parents got to fly up to New York and I had family, Cuban family in New York. So trust me, even though it wasn't, you know, it, it, it got curtailed and I could have been there earlier and a lot of other great things. I never take anything for granted, my, Mario. And, 
and uh, that opportunity was great. The next spring, I get traded early in spring to Pittsburgh, and I'm playing with the Pirates. I'm up and down, AAA, big league, and, and it's just, you know, again, it's a National League team, so they can't DH me. And an opportunity had come about where uh, several Japanese teams were, uh, were inquiring about me. And I had said no already since like 86, 87. I told my agent, no, no, no. I mean, I got to get up to the big leagues. I got to figure this out. And finally, in 89, when I was up and down again with the Pirates, um, and I'll never forget it, that uh, it was like the end of April, I told them, all right, let's pull the trigger. If, the, if, the, if you know, the, if the Bucks are willing to, to you know, to take some money for me, then I'll go. And we got to understand at that point in time, just to you know, to kind of put in, in perspective how far baseball and players alumni, I mean, the players' associations come along, uh, a free agency, you know, just uh, just uh, revenueing in general, going from at that point in time hundreds of millions, maybe a billion. To the billions now, right? And it, the major league minimum, which I was making, uh, was sixty nine five. I was making seventy five. I thought I was cute because I had you know seventy five. Isn't that isn't that adorable? Yeah. Sixty. It was adorable. Well, um, by today's standards, quite pedestrian. Well, now the, the major league minimum is ten times that. Ten x. Yeah. Yeah. Ten x is seven. Seven hundred. You can be a light hitting second baseman, and if you and if you play every fourth or fifth day, you you on that bench, and then you get meal money too. Oh, you get meal money as oh, well. No, you get a lot of other perks. So I, I end up um, telling my agent, "Let's go." What do they got? They were going to give. They did give the Pirates half a million dollars for me, and they paid me for the rest of that season, which is five months, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was a no brainer. Because at the end of that season, I would be a free agent. So even if I didn't like Japan... You got a renegotiating tool right there dro- I, dropped in your lap. I could sign with whomever I wanted to sign. I would. I probably would go back to, to address the Cleveland Indians who were very interested in me. They were, they were the ones that had offered you know, John Farrell, who later on became you know, not only a big league pitcher, but more importantly became you know, the, the, the World Series uh, manager for the Boston Red Sox. Absolutely. Uh, for a, for a couple different times, I think in 07 and 13. Regardless, um, I was going to, this is just no brainer. But this team said, listen, you come out here, we need you. We have won in the past, but we're struggling this last couple of years, and our foreigners haven't really clicked in. You do well, we will double your contract every year. I'll tell you what, not only did I do well, but. It, and how old are you now, Oh, How old are you right now? At that point in mm-hmm. time, I'm, I just said 27? 27. Right when I signed with them, I was in the precipice of turning 27. So um, I right now. had my first child, and and it was like, okay. Something tells me oh might have been hungry, too, a little bit, huh? Yeah, I was very hungry. And, you know, an opportunity to make real money at that point in time, that even if it, it didn't work out, if I didn't like it, um, you know, if it was just whatever, um you know, I just come back and at least I had some money in my pockets for, for my family and then look elsewhere. Man, did I love it. Um, it was incredible. The Sable Lions, I was a city outside of Tokyo. Um, uh, not that they just welcomed me with open arms. That's their nature of Japan, of the people, okay? They, they're very engaging, they're very warm people. And I think some people maybe have a different thought on, on, on certain Asian cultures, which they are, certain Asian cultures are like that. But the Japanese, are very zen, very humble, and very 
loving kind of nature. Every place has its governmental issues and and policies and problems as as do they. Sort of quiet by nature, huh? Oh, sort of quiet by nature. And you know, we we've all seen the movie Mr. Baseball. And you know, you got to tip your hat. You know what I mean? It's like when we saw the game last night with the between the O's and and as as the Rays had already won in the afternoon. And then we, we you know we turn our attention to the night game, which was a nationally televised game last night on Fox, and we're watching the O's go at it against the Indians, uh, the the Guardians that you mentioned, um, the Indian formerly the Indians, and and in one of the you know in the late innings somebody takes a high heater man right off the the back of the arm and it was nasty and it was you know you could tell it hurt and you know you don't rub it of course you got to get first base and uh but but you know in japan that you maybe you can speak to this real quickly you know do they acknowledge when when a player gets hit at the plate i mean there's not that animus you don't see bench clearing balls in japan you see them very, very, very rarely. And usually there's um, an American player involved, no doubt. <laughs> right. A lot of times there's an American player involved. <laughs> right. It's always, uh, oh man, what's the guy's name? Tom Selleck. Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. My goodness. Listen, I got to say this because we're getting some emails, Owen. People are really resonating today, uh, hearing you. They're excited to hear from you oh, yeah. again. They're loving the fact that we're talking a little baseball today. By all means. And and uh, and I want to say if, you want to talk. if anybody wants to call in and you have a comment for Orestes and you'd like to just say hello eight one three two three nine nine six six three oh I know that you're going to be going back to um, Japan at the end of uh, no beginning of next week Monday. yeah let's yeah. let's we want to talk a little bit about the Rays presently and of course the sure. stadium issues but I can't let you get out of here without telling us how excited you must be and you have to tell everybody you know when it's bobblehead doll day uh, for yeah. Ore as they call you in Japan, uh, and, and 40,000 people show up to welcome you, and you haven't played there in, what, 30 years? No, it's been that long. Well, I haven't played. 25? It's going to be 25, yeah. So, because so I, went back, I went back again after, after the Marlins uh, time. So, But, yeah, listen, it's just, you know, but thankfully, like I said, until, until COVID hit, um, I was going there. Twice a year, three times a year. I mean, I had I had years where I went there four times a year. So I was readily going to Japan, or even after I retired, because I was a personality over there and and a talent. Not just going to my old stadium, but in fact, a lot of times just really going to other gigs, you know, and appearances and and things having to do with TV and whatever. So and and I learned the language and the whole nine. But this come upcoming trip. Uh, the the one where forty five thousand showed up was the my you know Ring of Honor uh, event back in two thousand nineteen right before COVID hit and that was the last time I've been there so this is going to be very very special because I haven't been back to Japan since the pandemic and uh, obviously they shut everything down and it was evident you know with the uh, the Olympics and how they didn't have any fans so um, it's a beloved country for me and, and it was just an incredible place uh, I fell in love with it they fell in love with me. And and that's been wonderful. But like you said, I'll be back there on Monday. Um, I leave on Monday, and then on Wednesday there's a big uh, event uh, at my old stadium, Seibu Dome. Um, and then I'll be there for a couple of days for a couple of years to be back on Saturday. And hopefully ESPN is going to send a crew with you. At least somebody <laughs> will be acknowledging your your return. I mean, it's a it's a big deal, though. You know who's going to send the crew? It's NHK and NTV. We'll take it. And, uh, Send us the feed. Yeah, we'll yeah. take it. Those are those are all uh, the acronyms of uh, you know Tokyo Broadcasting System and uh, Nippon also uh, Broadcasting. So it's all the Japanese broadcast systems that are covered in all the papers and magazines. That's that's all I care about and all I 
Man, if I could just be a little guy that I could, you could sneak me in your suitcase so I could be there with you to watch that smile on your face because I know it's going to make you feel good. It's got to. Yeah. But uh, listen, I do want to touch on, on uh, oh, by the way, and this is, again, you were talking about city council and stuff like that, and Japan. Just yesterday, just yesterday, I had a sit down with the, the council general of Florida, who's based in Miami, uh, Kazuhiro. Nakai-san, who he and I have become really very close over the last year, and I'm, whenever I'm down in Miami, we get together, and a lot of different things. I'll be going on a trip with him and the mayor of Miami-Dade County, uh, a big kind of Florida, Florida-Japan trip, so to speak, to kind of drum up more business in the state of Florida from Japan. So I'll be going with them at the end of November uh, on that uh, in that delegation, but. Just a little bit of news and just breaking it here on your show. All right, here uh, we go. We had, we had a sit down with the great uh, Mayor Jane Castor yesterday and um, uh, talking about uh, a proposed, again, this is just the preliminary, preliminary talking stages times of a sister city uh, because surprisingly, uh, Tampa, unlike Largo, St. Pete, Clearwater, they all have their sister city the, uh, with tie-ins with Japan. Tampa does not. So uh, I'm proposing Tokorozawa, which is the, the town right outside of Tokyo that my team, the Sable Lions, are, are in. And, and it was welcomed very positively by, by the great Mayor Jane. And, uh, and I'll be meeting with the, the counterparts over there in Tokyo when I go on this trip uh, in Tokorozawa. And we're going to keep moving forward on what hopefully will be a... Uh, a sister city connection between Tampa. You be and careful, Orestes. You might just end up with the key to the city one of these days. Let me say that. Um, I, I think that would be not, not the key to the city, but the connection between oh, that would be these two towns. Excellent. By the way, Tokorozawa is about a half million in, in uh, population, as is uh, the city of Tampa. And it's just, uh, you know, and it's just a very, very popular region. It's a suburb of Tokyo, and obviously it houses the legendary. Sable Lions, uh, the last team, the three-peat in Japan uh, was my team back in 90, 91, and 92. Um, nobody has ever three-peated again in, in their major leagues over there. So we're a very respected organization, and it would just be wonderful to have the time that I could see people coming from Tokorozawa over here to not only catch the rain in the Tampa Bay area, but... But to have a Cuban sandwich. But to have yeah, a Cuban sandwich. have the famous Tampeño. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I will definitely. I will and then you can know. lead us. You can lead You can lead the charge when we take our groups we'll that way to group. go watch to go watch the Sabu Lions. And I know you're very involved in that, uh, uh, Mario. You know, you have been so much, you're so civically involved and with so many different, you know, things having to do with the city of Tampa. So that would, that would definitely be a wonderful trip. If you think about it, I would love, I told the mayor, I could just see, you know, a, a trip in next spring, uh, early in the season to, to watch a game in my beloved stadium. My, my passport stadium. is on the top, in, in the top drawer, uh, left-hand side, right next to my, uh, <laughs> you make sure that it's all caught up. Hey, you bet you, you bet you, I got all, I got everything I need. So you, I'm you just need right down but my stadium. And I, and I just described the picturesque because it's a stadium that is unique in, in, in Japan. Because it's built in a bowl, it actually is on the side of a kind of a valley, so it goes down. So it's almost like if you've ever been to Dodger Stadium, where you actually walk down to Dodger Chavez Ravine. Chavez Ravine, exactly. So it's built kind of in a ravine, 
and you come the the, the the fans come in from center field and they're literally going down to their seats. It's an incredible, majestic, and oh by the way, they, they it's just full of cherry blossoms. The cherry blossoms. Oh, how cool is that? That is actually oh, how cool is that? Like, way of cherry blossoms. So the best time is in is in the spring. Uh, to be there, and I'm hopeful that, that this will happen because nothing would make me happier than two cities that have meant so much in my life, uh, Tokorozawa and Tampa, to, to unite. And Big O is right there to pull them to pull the two I'm together. Old, Listen, it's, it's like one of my my big things in my life in the, in the coming months and year is definitely that that uh, that aspect. So it started yesterday. It actually started a few weeks ago, even when you and I had lunch with out with uh, your friend Alfred Goldberg. Uh, Alfred Goldberg, who's been on the show as well. Yeah, I'm sure he's been another on the show. Uh, down and dirty alumni. But let's uh, let's talk about uh, another team with a new stadium coming, uh, which is the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, Obviously, unfortunately, we only have about nine minutes left. No, but uh, I, more than I, that. I definitely wanted to hear your thoughts. I mean, listen, though, we we I have a team that's that. pretty hot this year. We have a team that I mean, I've you got to think they have a shot. And uh, you know, give yeah. well, what are your thoughts on both the team, the stadium, and all of the dynamics that uh, are surrounding it? Well, listen, as far as on the field, uh, they've been very hot, and and obviously, so have been the surprising Baltimore Orioles. Uh, so for a lot of people, such as myself, I'm not surprised so much because there's been some really great things coming up for the Orioles uh, as far as player personnel and, and what they've been doing, very similar to what the Rays have done. So they kind of stole the page out of the Rays and how they how they created their Baltimore Orioles this year and it's showing. The Rays are outstanding. The, I can't say enough about the Rays um, player development and, and just everything having to do from the minor leagues. Remember I was talking about A-ball, double-A, triple-A. They have the same mantra. This kind of starts, you can go all the way back to, to Joe Madden, to uh, Mr. Huntsinger, uh, who's, you know, was one of the guys that kind of put things together uh, 15 years ago. So now you have new leadership with Kevin Cash, who's phenomenal. And, and it just, they have the same, you know, kind of thought pattern all the way up to the major leagues is showing. So I think they could go very far. It's going to be tough as far as a quick little review of what I think will happen in the postseason. It's going to be difficult because the, the, what they don't have is depth to their pitching when you when you have major injuries like they've had uh, to their starting pitching. So it's going to take a Tyler Glass now and, and Effling and a few other guys to really step up. Because so they'll put some runs on the board. But when you get down into you know seven game series five and, and those, it, it gets tricky uh, with, with, if you don't have the depth of starting pitching and and the bullpen. So, uh, but they're going to be fine. They're going to go. I, I think they'll go pretty darn deep as far as stadium, now. Now, can I just say real quick? I want to hear about your stadium comments. But that's the O that we miss. That's the O that we miss in the post game show, man. Thanks, I mean, buddy. that's the guy that you know because you give us the inside stuff, and and we we know that too on the outside as baseball fans. But you validate what we know, and that's what we're hoping for. Because if you go later in the as you go later into the series, the arms do break down. Give us well, your give us your thoughts. Break down. What happens is that, for example, a couple of years hitters ago, make adjustments. Oh, hitters make adjustments. Make adjustments, and and if if you have guys that are hurt and stuff, then you know you're you're putting you're putting arms in positions that they arguably never have been there before. Right. You know what I mean? So right. that's, you know, that happened a few years ago when you had Shane Boggs and you had 
uh, a young McClanahan trying to beat, you know, the, the a strong Boston Red Sox that went on and, and, and you know, and did pretty, I mean, they didn't win that year, but those are the type of things that happen. So you want to put people in the right place, and if you don't have that extra money for the depth, then then it, it can beat you up a little bit. So I'm hoping that um, it'll work out fine. As far as stating, first of all, first and foremost, it, you know, this is wherever it lands. It's a coup and a great thing for the Tampa Bay area. Correct. We can ring a bell. We can ring a bell on that for sure. I would agree. The the first thing first is that it has to happen. Heaven forbid that it didn't. Heaven forbid that you know that Nashville comes calling. Yeah, that that the likes of this ownership group seriously entertaining leaving, right? Uh, Which they were. I mean, to the point of entertaining. Albeit a very weird and a very, I think, kind of like, you know, offer that was just more show than really go of the split season to Montreal and, and, and it's here. Ridiculous. That was just kind of scare, you know, again, like, you know, all, all, many teams have used that. You know what I mean? Heck, they've used Tampa Bay years ago. Minnesota, the Twins comes to mind. The Twins, the Giants, the White Sox. The White Sox. Mm hmm. You know, many teams have used other scenarios in order to ingratiate their where they really wanted to stay. So I get it. But it's still scary that there was a, a thought to that. It's still scary that they could, could leave completely. So first and foremost, staying is preeminent, and, and I'm very glad. If I had my brothers, this team needs to be in Tampa, you know, because it's just going to be, a bit, uh, for the long run, it's, it's going to be a more advantageous scenario for for Major League Baseball really, you know, growing. The, the city of Tampa, the area of Hillsborough County, there's no doubt you can't negate it's, the, it's one of the more fastest-growing areas in the United States of America. Okay, it's tied into the Tampa Bay area, but really it's, it's the city of Tampa. And sitting down with Mayor Jane and her telling me some things. Oh, I bet you got an earful yesterday. What's coming? Oh, my gosh, you know, there's some great things coming. Uh, to the city of Tampa and to the area. but And obviously, we all share it because we all kind of live in this Tampa Bay area, just like we share the Rays, right? Um, you, know, you know, I live here in, in, in South Tampa. but And, and, I, and I love St. Pete. I've lived in St. Pete. I've lived in Clearwater. I've lived in Tampa. I've lived in Pasco. For 35 years, I've lived all over. So I love it all. But the reality of where a team should probably lie in the end is there. Now, if they pull this off, and, 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 you know, the only thing that I'm concerned about is the honeymoon period would, would be, you know, for a couple of years. And how good is the, the perpetuating, you know, uh, a 20 plus thousand, uh, uh, play, you know, uh, attendance mm-hmm. a night. I, you know, it's going to be that's the part that I'm concerned about, because I think it'll be easier to perpetuate twenty plus thousand in the Tampa Bay area and the Hill in the Ebor district or a couple other places that I think uh, make sense because of the growth of Tampa and the they're just in general the populace is greater. So people will pop in the game. More numbers. With baseball that people don't understand. You have to make it accessible for the simplicity of popping in the game. That's why a lot of times stadiums will be in the downtown areas. And in, and in very populous areas. So at 5 o'clock, somebody says, yeah, I'm going to catch a game. You know what I mean? I'm just 
It's even for walk-up traffic. Yeah, I'm going to have dinner at the game. I'm going to go watch a game. I'm going to go watch a game. Uh, oh, by the way, you, you know what's coming in, in, in four or five years. It's, it's the, is it Brightline, I believe, uh, the, you know, from Orlando to, to Tampa? You know, that's being talked about. And, and you, we, it, it's supposedly 15, 20 minutes that you're going to be from Orlando to, to almost downtown Tampa. So that in the future uh, is going to create an immense amount of, think about all the, all the AL East fans that go to Orlando, you know, the Toronto people. Baltimore, New York, Boston. Um, they all go visit Mickey Mouse. But then for, you know, it'd be shorter to just pop into a game in Tampa. So that was the thought pattern. Now, what's happening in St. Pete is going to happen regardless. All the build-out of that, that gas district there is going to happen because it, it's just inevitable that the truck is coming down and they're going to have all this build-out. But... We, we are excited, as, as you suggested and, 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 and brought to our attention. We're all grateful that they are going to remain in the area. Correct. And, 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 and those of us hardliners will just keep our fingers crossed and say our mantra and say our prayers at night that maybe, just maybe, we might still see it built in Tampa. But the reality is we are going to uh, we're, we're going we're to attend the games when we can. And if it's a new stadium and it's beautiful, we're going to go. Oh, we've got, we've got just a minute left. Hey, thank you so much for, for oh, coming on God. with us today. I wanted to thank all the people that sent in emails. Listen, it's a great sign of respect, and we're talking about the Japanese culture. Great sign of respect when you don't get calls I know that's counterintuitive because they wanted to hear what you had to say rather than interrupt the flow of your conversation. So promise us one thing. You'll come back, especially after you come back from yeah. Japan, so you can tell us that story. You got it. My pleasure. Well, we, we, are, we are thrilled to have Orestes Estrada with us today, one of Tampa's favorite sons, even though he was born in, in Santiago de Cuba, uh, raised, raised here in America. He's made his home in Tampa, and we are all grateful for that. Let me say that uh, if, you're, if you've been listening to us, we want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Irene for being at the phone bank, even though we didn't get any calls today, for Jason for handling the board, as he always does so aptly. I'm Mario Nunez saying salute and happy days. Stay tuned now for The Skinny with Mitch Perry and Ben Montgomery. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you, O.